do 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 cue intro music welcome back to sorry we're open i'm Lindsay and i'm jess and here we are Why are you still here? Actually, I know exactly why you're still here. We're funny. So I've lost track of uh, how many episodes we've done, but I haven't lost track of how much I love our theme music. I know I kind of have saying that. Oh, God. It's episode five, ones. Okay, well. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Happy to have you here. Um, just want to start out the pod by saying if you haven't taken our hard-hitting research study, you should take the survey. Yeah, definitely. Jess loves shamelessly plugging things. So. I do it all the time, actually. Like, I get our most Instagram followers when I'm out at bars or, she, like... She, like, straight up harasses people. Like, specifically at Dollar Drink. She's like, do you follow the podcast? And they're like, no. They're, like, very embarrassed. And, and then, then they follow it. And then I get embarrassed, so then I, like, run away. I'm like, oh, Jessica. Look, you gotta put in the work for the pod. But if you have not taken our hard-hitting survey on the drug culture in college, you totally should. It'll be linked in our Instagram bio, at Sorry We're Open Podcast. Yep. Super anonymous. Um, Literally the most anonymous. Like, the most anonymous. uh, Super quick and easy to fill out. No big deal. We're just... We're we're doing some things. We got some things brewing. All right. So, next is... Uh, OK Boomer. Here we are. OK Boomer. I have three hard-hitting words from Urban Dictionary. Oh, I'm terrified. Okay, Lens. The first one is hallway hobo. Um, like, no clue. Someone who, like, hangs out in a hallway, like, after... I'm thinking of high school, who, like, hangs out after class and, like, waits for their crush to, like, leave the classroom. Ding, 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 Lynn. Are you serious? It's students who lay around the hallway before class. Okay, okay. They're not specifically, like, waiting for their crush. Yeah, they're not okay. specifically waiting for their crush. Do you got crushes on the brain, Lance? No. No? No. Okay. Next word. I'm not sure about the pronunciation, but twatching. <laughs> um, when you watch tweets on Twitter. You're so close. I don't know how to get any more close than uh, watch like live watching tweets. Oh my god, I'm basically gonna give it to you. Okay, so it's when you are watching a television show and simultaneously live Twitter monitoring. Okay, I oh. feel like you do this a lot. Well, yes. Well, yeah. We are one or one of our friends last week did it on The Bachelor. Oh yes, she was and like, I love watching it live because I get to. You get the memes live. I know. If you don't watch The Bachelor, the memes are just. Really iconic. Right. I kind of wish I didn't watch The Bachelor because it kind of fries my brain, but, like, it's fine. Guys, Lindsay's the most invested of all her friends. It's so embarrassing. Like, hands down, the most invested. Shut up. You're blowing my spot. Like, she is so invested. You're blowing my spot. I'm just speaking the truth, then. (laughs) The other day, she literally was like, guys. You're still going. I am still going. She was like, guys, this person's going to win. This person's going to be the next Bachelorette, and that person's going to paradise. And I was like, Lindsay, what? So she's invested. Yeah. I've I've done some... If you're curious who she thinks is going to win, you can uh, DM the pod and I'll let you know. But we got to be, we don't want to, no spoils. We don't want to do any spoils on the pod. But I'm like 103% sure I'm right. All right. Anyway. All right. Last word, Lens. I'm ready. Alligator arms. <laughs> um, arms that are like prickly because you you don't lotion them. 
So, like, they're prickly, like, alligator teeth, you know? Absolutely not even close. Okay, alligator arms. Is it, like, an internet fad? No. Um, is it is it literal? Is it literal arms? It involves arms. Is it is it sexual? No. Okay. One more guess. Um, I know. I feel like we're playing twenty questions. Um, when you hug someone really tight, but it feels sharp. No, not even close. <laughs> I don't know. It's when someone pretends to reach for a check at a meal with friends, but always gets to it a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually awesome. Like, oh, oh. I was, was going to get that. I was going to pay. Oh, yep. Yup. That was That's a good one. You start. <laughs> I feel like I don't really have any close friends who have alligator arms. No, thank God I don't. I, I feel would, like I would call them out if they had alligator arms. We're all arms. in the diner and it's like, okay, let's go. Well, it's usually Jess because Jess usually has ca- cash on her. So Jess, Jess, Jess will pay. Well, no. And I'm like, will Venmo you. She's it's like, just more. It's more that there's nothing more annoying as a waitress to split a check 10 ways. Right. So I always put it all on my card and have you guys Venmo me so that my homie Colleen right. doesn't have to do more than one <laughs> card. Right. And yeah, I love going out to um, like restaurants with people who like who have been waitresses because they like know how to treat other waitresses. Like my one friend will literally stack the dishes at the end of the table you know, like when we're done eating to make it easy for the waitresses. So. It's just be kind to your waitresses, guys. That's what I got and for waiters. You today. And waiters. All people who Wait work staff. In, who work in the restaurant business. There it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think that's it for OK Boomer. Yeah, it is. That was a fun one. I'm like pretty good at this. You're doing good. You're better than me, honestly. I think I'm losing. Okay, you are Boomer, losing. Oh my God. Game. We should keep a tally. Oh, we'll have to go back and see okay. what our score is. Okay. All so, right. Yeah, we'll keep a running tab for sure. Next on Kegsy. <laughs> that was live. Oh, no. I <laughs> no, like no. that. No, I did not like okay, that. Okay, well, we're going to keep going. All right, well, here we are. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of mood we're in right now. but it's, I'm in a weird mood, people. Yeah, weird. Um, but this is Keg Stance, as just so lovingly announced. Yes, so uh, basically, this new brewery is opening in town. Right, which is super exciting. So exciting. And I have friends who have been and said it is quite lovely. Did they give you a price rundown? No, I didn't ask. That's okay. not like something that I'm concerned about. Lindsay. You Money have... is not an object when it comes to good beer. Really, Lindsay? Okay, no, but... <laughs> yeah, so I need to know that. But anyway, who? So in discussing how this new brewery is open, Lindsay and I decided it was time to talk about bar, bar culture. Right, because... But why did I sound so weird when I said bar culture? <laughs> I meant bar. bar culture. Right, and there are approximately... Three bars and like two breweries, in where we in where we go to college, right? Um, and basically, I wanted to talk about all the fun things that happen at bars, right? So, do you want to give an example of one fun thing that you personally love? Okay, my favorite thing is befriending the bouncer. I like be- befriending the bartender more because I feel like the bartender like will give you more alcohol in your drink. Okay, you're right. Free drinks. I guess I don't buy a lot of drinks out. I'm cost-effective that way. Mm. I spend all the money I would spend on drinks on pizza. Mm. Also see, dangerous, yes, yes, for sure. But you see, I I like to befriend the bouncer because they don't card you then. Because they know you. Right. Yeah, but if... I, I and they don't make you pay the cover. Right, but I think if you just go often enough and are nice, it just, it happens automatically. I feel like you don't need to go out of your way. Like, 
I don't know, maybe that's just who I am when I've had a little bit to drink. Yeah, like my homie my homie down at one of the breweries, like he just, he, I still have to hand him my ID and then he like doesn't even look at it. He automatically hands it back to me. I'm like, he knows what's up. My boy knows what's up, but. Okay, but I, I kind of get this like befriend the bar, the bartender thing. Yes. I guess I should do that. Oh, I was trying to work on it, but I just, I get too focused on talking to the people I came with. No, yeah, see, that happens, but also, like, they have such different perspectives and fun things to say, and I like asking them questions. All right, that's going to be my goal this week. Talk to more bartenders. <laughs> good, good luck with that. Lindsay, what's your go-to drink at a bar? Okay, well, it depends. At, at like, a bar on, like, dollar drinks night? Or, no. Okay. <laughs> like, vodka cranberry, thank you. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I would say... I love a good Moscow Mule, to be honest. Oh, yes. Great, great choice, Lindsay. Really great drink, yes. I love tequila. And whatever you can put it in, I love it. Margaritas. Ma- I love margaritas. I love tequila. Love, 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 love tequila right. so much in, like, a deep and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Me and tequila have that relationship. Right. But it, let's say you were at a brewery. What would you drink if you could only have beer? So. Like, what type I, of beer? Great question. So I used to state that I didn't like beer. But recently, in the past year, I've this brewery in town is so good that I had to like get over it. <laughs> so I I believe I like the IPAs and the pale ales because mm, yes. I'm a basic bitch. Thank you. No, yes. And then there's the darker the darker one I drink. It's called Mercy at the bar. Mm, I don't yes. know what kind of beer that is. I also don't know what kind. I of think beer it's that like is. a a dark stout. I think it's a stout also. Well, it has. 11.4% alcohol, so... So that's why Jessica likes it. No, it has this, like, <laughs> nice, meaty, like, unami... That's not what it is. An mm. Umami? Umami-ish coffee. It's so... It's, like, deep. Yeah. <laughs> this no. beer's deep. I'm not... I'm honestly not a fan of that. I'm generally not a fan of stouts. I can only have, like, four or five ounces in, like, a flight of beer, for example, but I can't have a whole, like, pint of a stout. That is so well, much stout. it comes in a tiny. Right, but still, it... Mm, yeah, but I, I'm into that. I'm yes, into that. Yes. Now, my question for you, Linz, is when you're at a bar and you're like, do, how often do you buy drinks for people at a bar? Do I buy drinks for people at a bar? It depends <laughs> on how drunk I am. Because no, if, no, I, I mean, if, I'm, if I'm hammered, I'm like, you got a drink. You got a drink. That's never happened in my presence. I mean, Where have I been? <laughs> I don't know. I never forget the time you stole that girl's credit card. I didn't. Oh, my God. Didn't steal it. I'm sorry. Borrowed it and then tipped 10 off. Oh, Tipped a hundred percent. It was two hundred percent. Two hundred percent on the tap. So uh, yeah, but no, don't live lens your card. But my question is, how often when you're flirting with somebody at a bar? Because mm-hmm. the reason I like bars so much more than like frat parties is because I can actually have a conversation with someone. Right. At most bars. Yeah. And you get to like talk to people, hang out. We have a bar with has like music, so that's really cool. Like live music. Like means. what did I say? You said music. Oh yeah. Most bars have music. Yes. Live music, like yes. like a guitar. And, but I don't buy a lot of drinks, nor do I like, you know, like when you try to meander yourself a drink, Mm, I don't really do that either. But do you, like, how often do you buy someone a drink? Like when you're flirting with them? Is that like an automatic go-to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if like I'm standing near the bar actively flirting with someone, like, what do you want to drink? Okay. Okay. And then they'll like try to pay me. I'm like, no, don't do that. So reverse. Let's mm-hmm. per se a boy ask to buy I me a drink. I will never let a boy. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Let's say a boy asks to buy me a drink. And I'm like not interested in hooking up with them. 
Oh. Can I still say yes or do I have to say no? You could say yes and then run away from him later in the night. Okay, but that feels mean. <laughs> no, okay. Well, like, how uninterested are you? Let's say I just... Okay, let's say I'm like, nah, like, I want to be friends in my brain. Okay, well, then you let him buy you the drink and then you friend zone him really hard. <laughs> but, like, Lizzie, that but seems mean. It's not mean. He offered to buy you a drink. There's There should be no expectation that when you buy someone a drink, you have to have sex with them. Or you have to go home with them. Oh, no, I don't I agree with that. So then, so then, why do you feel mean being friends with this boy just because he bought you a drink? I don't know because I I feel this like weird sense of obligation. Like, uh, see, but you shouldn't get out of that mindset. You shouldn't feel that. I know, but it's like. But then if I say no, I also feel mean. So yeah, I'm just stuck well, yeah. And why would you say no to free drinks? Okay, you're right about that. No, my. Like, my favorite is when at Dollar Drinks, people just, like, buy you drinks because it's, like, nice to do. Like, people are like, oh, here's two drinks. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, but I just, like, I think that's, like, a weird, like, it's, like, used as a flirty thing. Yes, it is. But I think I bought drinks for people before, like, Exhibit A, my friends, and they haven't slept with me, so. But I feel like that's different. Like, or, or people that I've, like, I guess, acquaintance with. You know, yeah. It's happened before. All right, wait, I have a really weird question that oh. has nothing to do with this topic at all. But, okay. Okay. If you're at a bar and you buy someone a drink, mm-hmm. that like you're just like buying them a drink because it's like convenient. If it's like under five dollars, do you Venmo them for it or you leave it? Oh, like if if you were friends with them. Let's say I buy you a drink at the bar, or mm-hmm. you buy me a drink at the bar, and it's less than five dollars. I would no because. We're friends. I'm assuming you're going to buy me a drink at some point down okay, the road. So I agree with that. But recently someone was like, no, I've almost someone for every drink. And I was like, really? I was like, I feel like if I buy you a drink at Dollar Drinks, it's like basically zero dollars. So I'm like, whatever. I, oh, like, yeah. Also that. But also like we're friends. Like I know I'm either like it's going to even out eventually. Like it's not a big deal. Like I'm right, not going to. I feel about I'm not going to pinch you for four dollars and 39 cents. But whatever. One thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a slice of the, the slice of pizza from Soto's. One thirteen. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, so, but, so back to my drinking thing. I don't know, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a weird thing that if someone's like, can I buy you a drink? Right, so let's... Should we unpack it? I was gonna say, <laughs> let's squash this right now. Um, women, specifically, have, <clears throat> listen to this very carefully, no, let me say that again, no obligation to sleep with anyone, regardless of their gender, if they... Or bought a drink at the bar. You heard it here first, yep. Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Now I got a question. Okay, shoot. Have you ever bought when you're you were hitting on a boy? I don't know, or a boy's hitting on you. Have you ever offered to buy a boy a drink? Um, I, this is what I wish we had like a like a like a pocket boy that I could just like pull out and be like, "What do you think about this?" Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I have actually. So I, how I, did he take it? Um. I didn't, I didn't, like, outright offer. I kind of just, like, ordered us the drinks and then, like, I paid. Because, like, that's usually have to how, you, how you have to do it with girls and boys. Because everyone is, like, always trying to, like, fight to, like, put the card first. Uh-huh. Um, he, he was like, oh, like, you didn't have to do that. And I was like, shut up. Like, it's, uh, it's fine. It was like a beer. Like, Did it's Did you hook fine. up with him? Yes. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> But that's not because I bought him a beer. I didn't say it was because of that, but I think it's interesting. Like, like I feel like some men may feel like, oh, like, like you're snubbing him. Like, why can't he buy you the drink? Oh, I think men are happy to. This is what I think as a woman. I think men are happy to 
get a free drink when, when, when they can because I feel like they're, they're always like, oh, I always have to pay for everything. It's ridiculous. Like, I hate being a guy because I have to pay for everything. I'm like, sh- shut up. Like, A, you don't have to. B, if you do, you're dating the wrong girl because if she doesn't at least offer to pay, anyway, that's a whole other story. And we did talk about that. But I so I think they're just happy that, like, maybe not happy. Maybe they're like, oh, that's embarrassing. Like, because I was like homies with the bartender. So, like, obviously he saw me buying this other boy a drink. So he was probably like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Another thing. Not that I have the money to be buying anybody <laughs> drinks, but. <laughs> All right. Best, worst pickup line you've ever gotten in a bar. Oh. You're going to have to give me a minute to think about it. I feel like you have one off the top of your head. You know this one. I do. So in, I feel like this was last semester. Yeah. I was at a bar and a boy basically was like, Come home with me. We can watch my Disney Plus. <laughs> and you're like, I have my own Disney Plus. Thank you very much. To which you replied, but it's not as good as my Disney Plus. And I was like, <laughs> they're the same thing. But he did not drop it. He really, really went to like, you should come watch my Disney Plus. But I did not go watch his Disney Plus. Wow. Oh, no. You know, I haven't had like, I haven't had like an active like quote unquote pickup line. I, guess I had I've- a boy show me his mixtape one time. That is wow. He was like, Hey, you should follow me on SoundCloud of a sick mixtape. And I was like, I need to leave. Well, see, I feel like that's your pickup line is this podcast. She's like, Guys, hey, I, have a, I have a podcast. <laughs> we have single handedly acquired like nine Instagram followers in the last week because Fun Jess is like, oh, I have a podcast. <laughs> I like, hear you should follow it. And then they do. And then they do. And then they get to hear this wonderful content. So. Wait, but come on. You don't have any good bad pickup lines? What about ones you've used that have, like, crashed and burned? No, I'm the I'm so good at flirting that I don't I don't crash and burn, Jessica. So I don't know. If I think of one, I'll say it or, you know, I'll mention it in the Instagram post. But literally nothing. Nothing. No. You've never had, like, a weird interaction. You know what's something I hate? When someone comes up behind me whether they're gonna flirt with me or whatever and like puts their hand on the small of my back and I have not like either acknowledged them or like this is now uncalled for and I'm like oh my god and then I do this weird thing with my hips where I'm like ah. <laughs> I don't know I do that so Lindsay come anything. on I feel like you're well versed in the dating atmosphere nothing no no guys she's gonna literally in like two hours text me and be like oh my god here's the all the pickup lines i thought tonight you're gonna think of one well there was one time where i switched phones with this boy and we just looked through each other's internet history so that was fun did you hook up with him nope okay that one doesn't work (laughs) that one doesn't work (laughs) no yeah um we almost did and then then i was i was like any other come on anything Lindsay. I can't believe you have nothing. No, well, I well that was that was the one. It's what I had. The, the switching phones. Well, if you have any really like terrible pickup lines, like I would love to hear them. I think my favorite bar though on campus, since Lindsay claims she has no other bad pickup lines, is the one with the live music. <laughs> right. That is well, clearly superior to all the other bars. Well, also live music is just like I don't know. It just gets you in your like feels. You're like, oh, I. Even if it's, like, bad, it's not bad because it's live. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's like always, like, so a good, good vibe. Like, recently, the brewery, 
my favorite one, it was President's Day, so it was a Monday, and they had a live they had live music there, and it was the best vibe ever. And I'm like, why don't you do this more often? And they're like, oh, we try. And I'm like, do you do you really try though? Anyway, you really try. Do you really try? Honestly, and I don't know if it's just like you've been drinking plus live music, but the guitarist or like the singer is always like the cutest person you've ever seen in your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know they're like really douchey. Yeah, but it's really funny when you, like, know them when it's, like, the college groups and you're, like, oh, I know you. And you're all of a sudden, like, hmm, you're really attractive in this moment. Yeah, and you're, like, I, I, I agree. I don't know what it is. Like, there was this one guy who was playing guitar and I'm, like, he's never been attractive ever. And then I saw him playing guitar. I was, like, why? Why? God, Lord Jesus, why? No, this happens to me a lot. I think it's, like, a weird <laughs> music thing where I'm, like, oh, my God, you're talented. Yeah, I'm, like, wow, you do other things and, like drink do you ever have those moments when you're out where you think someone's cute where in the sober light of day in the middle like of lunch all you the would, time yep it's been Never. happening to me yes. a lot lately yeah. <laughs> it has been personally happening to me a lot lately and i'll say it to someone and they'll look at me and they're like you psychopath yeah like no way you thought that person was cute yeah yeah no. um, well i feel like that's all i have to say about bars yeah um no yeah i can't really think of anything else either except my deep love for them i love them i love rooftop bars i love dive bars i love dance bars i love karaoke bars Linz, what's your go-to karaoke song i don't really do karaoke okay mine is since you've been gone by kelly clarkson <laughs> thank you very much well i was gonna ask yours but you just gave it away so. fine it is fine i feel like you can never go wrong with dancing queen i feel like it's a very basic answer though so you're right all right. Okay. Well, peace, love, Miley Cyrus. It, Miley Cyrus. Oh my God, have you listened to Dress Me, bro? <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Actually, except for Yummy, I hate Yummy. Yummy but needs to go. But besides that, the rest my of it is really good. Olivia just said the word jinkies. I hate her. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Jess has got to go. Um, so that is it for this week's segment of Keg Stands. Stay tuned. We have a great. Uh, segment coming up after this and uh, yeah hit us up with with those uh, terrible pickup lines and next we have our guest segment hey guest would you like to introduce yourself hi uh, my name's Evan uh, I'm a senior here and I study computer science and accounting oh wow that is a combination for sure yeah I definitely got my money's worth Adelia. <laughs> <laughs> yes he did all right Evan what topic did you bring to the podcast Sure. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, generations of racism that has recently been uncovered by the recent outbreak of the coronavirus. A hot-hitting topic, Evan, yeah. is bringing to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, the pod stays relevant and up-to-date. So this, um, I'm very curious uh, to kind of hear your perspective on this, because obviously I've seen a lot on Twitter. You, you know, obviously Twitter is very liberal and <laughs> there's a, there's a lot going on on twitter so i just i want to get like i guess the actual story because i have to stop using twitter as a actual source of news but that's beside the point so where did you want to start sure well I, th I think it's important to kind of start by clearing up the facts and what coronavirus is actually is and and kind of how it's impacting society now um so i think first and foremost i think people are freaking out a little bit too much about coronavirus <laughs> Um, obviously, it's an outbreak that has hit the news recently, but in reality, um, it's kind of like the flu. You get a little bit of a rough flu, 
And it, so, like, the symptoms aren't really that bad. The mortality rate is around 2.1%. So, and most of those people have actually been in the elderly bracket. So, um, it's really people who already had lower immune systems already. And so, um, it's not something that's going to kill you. It's not like the plague. It, it's, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> Um, Though that's back too, apparently. So. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think people are freaking out a little bit about kind of um, a lot that's been going on recently, and um, I think it's also been a lot of scapegoating around the Chinese culture, um, which is you know for the listeners, I I come from a Chinese background, and so um, it's interesting to see how that's impacted me on my day to day. You know, I, I didn't, I never thought that something so far away you know, on the other side of the world would impact my day and age. But um, I, I've seen kind of it unfold and it's, it's definitely been impacting me as, as a Chinese American, um, which is kind of why I wanted to bring it to the pod today. Yeah. So how specifically has it impacted you day to day? Sure. So um, I grew up um, learning Chinese Kung Fu and, and Chinese lion dancing. Um, so recently I couldn't make it home for the Lunar New Year, but um my lion dance team performed for the New Jersey Devils, which is awesome, right? Like that's that's some really cool, uh, um, I guess, publicity. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and so like I saw all of their Snapchats while they were doing like backstage. They got to stay for the game, which was really cool. But um, afterwards, the New Jersey Devil publicity team, I guess, posted the pictures on Instagram, and um, unfortunately, there were some very like kind of racist comments underneath it. Um, People were saying, oh, my gosh, like the entire stadium's now been infected by coronavirus. And it, it, they say it as a joke, but really it, it's kind of a, a serious topic. And, and you know, the, the Chinese have been this kind of model minority in society. Then, then um, you know, we usually don't say much and we kind of have assimilated into the American culture a little bit. Um, and it's interesting to see how kind of those small little passes aren't really talked about in the mainstream. Um, and so that's kind of how it's impacted me personally um i never thought you know i'd see that day to day but it's it's definitely something that people don't talk about you know enough so to go back so you said you're a chinese american like how did that part of your culture like shape your upbringing sure so i think it's you know kind of a dual identity you know inside the house i grew up um with two parents who one of which was born in Hong Kong, one was born in the States. Um, so I kind of got the best of both worlds. But my grandparents were the ones kind of raising me while my parents were working. So at home, I spoke Chinese. I fluent in about two dialects and proficient in a third. Um, and so at home, it was very much like a traditional Chinese household, um, very customary, um, very family oriented. And then when I went to school, it was completely different. You know, So it was a very dual identity for me as a Chinese American growing up. Um, which I think is really awesome. Um, you know, I'm very proud of where I come from. Um, but at the same time, you know, we get the struggles of both worlds. Um, so dual benefit, but dual cost. So you talk about like a family orientation. Can you talk about like how that, what that looked like? Because when I think of like my family oriented home, I think of like we ate dinner every single day together. So how did that kind of look like for you? Sure. Well, um, I think it's a matter of re- the Chinese culture is very much remembering where you come from. Um, And so growing up, speaking Chinese was important to a lot of my family. Um, As a Chinese American, there's definitely a cultural divide where, you know, there are certain people, there are certain second generation Americans that come from Chinese households that don't speak the language and some that do. Um, And you could definitely tell which ones are um, closer to their roots. Um, You know, and for me, I go back 
to Chinatown as in my high school days every week, um, learning Chinese Kung Fu, speaking Chinese to a culture that basically picked itself up and dropped themselves in the middle of New York. Um, so it was interesting for me to kind of, I guess, kind of live that dual, dual identity as, as, a, as a kid. Um, but it's also about not only just the family, but the, the society in general. Um, some metaphors that kind of get thrown around is that in the American society, they'll see like the wheel, right? The, the metaphorical wheel and say, um, let's make a better wheel where the Chinese look at the wheel and say, um, it's not broken, so why fix it? Uh, and so a lot of the times when there are small passes, like the comments on Instagram that I saw, right? The Chinese don't talk about it. It's because, you know, they're complacent with where they are in society and um, they enjoy their time with the family and inside their own culture. But at the same time, um, on the larger scale, they don't really talk about it because it's not really affecting them one-on-one. It, and so um, not many Chinese people talk about the existing racism that's spanned generations, but it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. I was, I was just going to say, I was like, even though you guys don't talk about it, it definitely does need to be talk about, talked about because, you know, you keep saying those small passes and in my mind, those are microaggressions. Like, you know, those comments on the, on the New Jersey Devils Instagram post. So is there any talk about, you know, kind of, I guess, bringing this more to light for like the younger generations or? Sure. And and it's not so much like the, the fact that people aren't talking about it. It's, you know, how active they are about doing so. Um, for a lot of us second generation Chinese Americans, we want to be connected as possible, but there is definitely that cultural divide. Um, and so when you lose kind of sight of those roots, you don't really feel as strongly about those microaggressions. Um, and so a lot of the time, you know, they'll, they'll be very much identify themselves as American, not even Chinese American anymore. Um, and, you know, we may look Asian and look exactly like those immigrants who are first gen, um, but at the same time, we live a completely different life. And so um, it's hard for them to kind of talk about it all the time. Um, and so there's there's kind of no, or what I've come across, there's no real kind of like programs that say, you know, um, let's let's move outside of our culture and say, you know, and try and educate the outsiders. It's very much the Chinese are proud of what they do. They, they keep inside the little bubble um, and they, they kind of are proud of what they do, but it's nothing much outside of that. That's really interesting to think about, like being, I think your wheel example was so interesting, like thinking about how when I view a problem, it's always, maybe this is just a me thing, but I'm always trying to, how can I make it better? How can I fix this to be more effective when sometimes the concept of it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, just like being okay with that. But I can see how there is that issue when it comes to something like this. Because I was doing a little bit of research and I guess one thing I really noticed is the, or something I read about, I don't know if you know anything about this, was the, like, they're calling it intra, intra-Asian racism. So groups within Asian culture are kind of, like, trying to be like, well, it's them, not me. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that or have anything to say about that. No, that and I think that definitely goes back to, I guess, a lot of history between the cultures. And, um, you know, when, when you look at history in, in the Asian world, it was very much a fight for the amount of land. It was very much kind of in their own bubble again fight for land and so you know in China China was China hanging out Japan was hanging out and you know suddenly the Westerners came in and 
changed at all, you know, during World Fucked War II. Fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like, if, if you look at what the the Asian culture looks like after World War II, it's completely different than what it looked like before. Um, you know, growing up in in American history classes, we don't learn about the complete revolution, revolutionization of the, the Asian culture. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> well, so, I mean, like, like let's, let's look back and, and kind of reminisce on our kind of American history classes. Do we learn a lot about the Chinese Exclusion Act? We don't learn um, much other than the histories of rich white men. So, no, <laughs> to answer your question. Yeah, and, and outside of that, like, uh, the most I learned about the Asian American society, you know, at all in my Asian, in, in my American history class was Japanese internment, which was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's interesting. We, I went to a relatively, like, I'm from New Jersey, so a relatively liberal area in New Jersey. And I don't even know if I, in middle school, in American history class, went over the Japanese internment camps. Like, I think that was a, came much later. And to think about how specifically passed over, I think what you're saying, passed over an entire culture's change is very interesting. And a, and a huge turning point in, in kind of Chinese history is what we call the Chinese Opium Wars, which there were two of. And... People barely even know there was one. Um, but basically, after the rebuilding of China post-World War II, um, a lot of the Western powers were saying they wanted to keep their trade routes in, in Asia. Um, so they basically forced a rebuilding Chinese government to say, you need to keep these trade routes open. Um, and the issue with that was that they were importing all of this opium to China, um, a drug that many people overdosed from, um, was killing majority of the population at that time it was probably worse than the coronavirus epidemic um and the western world said you know you will keep these ports open because we said so and the chinese being a very feeble and um growing government was like okay <laughs> and you know it was a lot of the western world bullying the asian asian culture into saying you know you're going to host us otherwise you know, feel our wrath. <laughs> right. And we could still obviously see hints of that today. And do you think maybe this is like so off base, but do you think that like, so this concept of they were potential, they were bullied by the U S in this specific and the U S and other Western countries in this specific time and how that caused them to like really hunker down within themselves. And that contributes to that very like close to home orientation. Absolutely. Well, I think it was always a part of, of, of the Asian cultures, uh, a lot of the Asian cultures are very group-based, but, um, you know, in that society, it was, in that rebuilding society, a lot of people turned inward and did not have faith in a growing Chinese government, which is why today the Chinese government is now communist. You know, there were a few individuals that took an opportunity and said, we're going to put communism in here and see if it works, and it just did. <laughs> And it has not changed since. Oh, wow. I didn't know that that part. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning a lot, Evan, as, you, as usual on the pod. Um, but to go back to specifically, you know, how in this instance of the coronavirus and racism in the Asian uh, population, you know, I think for me, maybe I'm I'm ignorant that I didn't wasn't as aware of the impacts. And when you're talking about, you know, you're talking about something that's on Instagram, but I'm sure those are happening in like daily life where people are saying things. Um, there's interactions where people I'm sure in New York City are acting like total assholes because that's what people do. 
Yeah, well, because even my friends, you know, someone coughs like, oh, hope you don't have coronavirus. And it's, they don't really understand kind of the hint and microaggressions of the hint of racism behind like what they're saying, because like the flu, the flu kills more people a year than the coronavirus does. So it's like, why, why are we making such a big deal out of this? Yeah, absolutely. And and there have been people who, you know, look at the situation in China and, and wonder like, why would people be dumb enough to kind of continue to live their daily lives like there's nothing going on and the reality of the situation is that if you let kind of the fear of of coronavirus or the the scapegoating continue to bully you into i guess a quiet life you know and disturb your life like that i i i wouldn't you know i i would continue living on day to day and and a lot of the coronavirus outbreak has been accelerated by the travel and um it came at a time uh that was just perfect um, for outbreak. Uh, the coronavirus outbreak in December, and then we s- recently celebrated the Lunar New Year in the latter part of January. And so those are 14 days where a lot of people in China go home and visit their family. Um, due to kind of how the structure of society works in China, uh, a lot of these people are um, assigned a job miles from home, um, and they live by themselves. They don't see their family. They are removed from their friends just because the government said, you need to work here because we told you to and for the betterment of society. Um, And so these are 14 days where they're allowed to finally go home after a year long of hard work. Um, And so do you really blame them for wanting to just kind of go home despite, you know, despite the the disease going around? You know, I would I want to go home. I haven't seen my mom and dad for, you know, a few months that I want to go home. But um, for them, it's years that some that these people just don't go home. And suddenly they're told they can't go home because of this small little virus that causes flu symptoms, they take it as a joke. And so it kind of accelerated that, that um, the outbreak, um, and it's kind of caused some global impacts. And I think this has happened with like a variety of, like this isn't the first virus or disease that's been connected to a specific population. Um, but I think that it's really interesting the way it is manifesting into this like I just remembered that somebody told me that they got an Uber recently with a um, Chinese man who was like, thank you for not canceling the Uber when you saw I was Chinese. And that really struck me because we're in Pennsylvania, very far where I don't think there's been a single confirmed case in the state of Pennsylvania. And to think that this man is experiencing a negative impact in his work because someone is ignorant enough to think that, you know, he potentially could have the coronavirus, but he could have the coronavirus like any other person could have it in Pennsylvania. And I think it's frustrating to think about the way in which our bias can impact someone's livelihood. And and so to, to kind of put it in perspective, too, is that, you know, the, the coronavirus is in the same family as, as SARS, as the swine flu um, outbreaks that America has gotten through. Um, but uh, SARS actually started back in China again. And it was the same kind of it, it, it's basically a copy and paste repeat issue. You know, there was. There was an outbreak. People blamed the Chinese and, and the Asians in general and said, you know, we don't want to do business with you just because you're Asian and, and, and you know, you, you can possibly carry the virus. But it, there's no difference between whether I'm Asian or not. It's, it's an outbreak that's worldwide and global, especially in today's global economy and, and scale. There's anyone could catch this virus just the same. It's just so happened that it was unfortunately started in China, you know. Do you 
would you say that you've had a variety of incidents in your life where you felt that you were like either racist comments or racist actions against you because of your Chinese American culture? Yeah, and and I think it again comes from this dual identity of growing up in a Chinese American household. Um, you know, uh, growing up speaking a different language um, is not something a lot of people do, and um, my Saturdays consisted of if it wasn't you know Chinese school for me, um, or you know kung fu school or, or lion dance, whatever it was, um, it was a weird weekend, right? So that was kind of the norm for me, but it's not the norm for everyone, apparently. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when people ask me to like hang out on Saturday, like y- you go to more school or, you know, you're, you have plans to do what on, on a Saturday? Um, that's, you know, it was the normal for me, but, you know, it really complexed a lot of my friends who weren't from a Chinese American household and um, even even growing up, you know, as a huge music nerd, a lot of our concerts would end up on Saturdays. And my teacher was like, why can't you show up on Saturday? Well, I I have Chinese, you know, I have Chinese school or I have, I have Kung Fu classes or whatever it may be. Um, and they were always like that, that, you know, you can't get out of it. And well, no, that it's not the fact that I don't I, I can't I can get out of it. It's the fact that I want to go, right? This is where uh, my passions lie because, you know, I, I am proud of where I come from. I'm proud of my roots. Um, I'm proud that I speak a different language. And um, that those were the, the smaller things, right? People not taking the things I love um, from my culture as seriously as they should. How do you think, like, when you're looking at who you are today, like, as a 21-year-old, like, how do you think that, that you know, that part of your culture has shaped who you are. I think it's made me kind of look back and reflect about where I come from. Um, you know, my, my grandmother uh, tells us, all, you know, tells us stories about, you know, the, the war that she lived through, right? She escaped um, the Chinese genocide, basically, uh, you know, when the Japanese came in and basically turned China upside down. Um, more Chinese you know, were killed in World War II than, than German Jews. Um, and, you know, it's something that, again, we don't learn about. I was just going to say, I, ne- I never knew that, so. And my grandmother eventually escaped to British-owned Hong Kong um, and then emigrated here to the States. But it was, you know, she tells stories of how she had to, you know, look after. She's the oldest of, she's the second oldest of eight. Um, she's, so the firstborn daughter, her only older sibling, was married off out of the family. Um, and so she was left watching, you know, four younger brothers um, and, a, and unfortunately a, a sister that died in the war of starvation just because they couldn't afford it. Um, it was very difficult times. Um, and so looking back on where and how far my family has come from, you know, war-torn China, um, and now I have the opportunity to sit in, you know, a place of higher education and sit here on this podcast is, is a completely different turnaround. Um, and so reflecting on those kind of that story and, and generations of, of struggle is, is something that I think for a lot of Chinese Americans, they don't, um, they take for granted sometimes, um, but it's very much um, forced upon us to remember those things and, and remember our roots that way. Uh, now being in college, you know, you don't have to go to Chinese school or 
Kung Fu lessons on Saturdays. What do you do to preserve your your culture and your heritage? Well, again, it, it's just kind of keeping up that language, and um, it's a little cheesy, but I, I my grandmother is hard of hearing. Um, she's 92, um, so I just always, I write to her in Chinese now, um, and so, um, you know, and, and every time I go back, she'll, she'll tell me that she can't read, um, but it's true because she had no formal education. She um, taught herself Chinese, and so there are times where I'll write her letters and she'll actually ask me to read it back to her because she can't read it very well. And so I am actually a little bit more literate in the written and, and writing sense um, than my grandma in certain circumstances. But um, it's it's a matter of just reminding myself of where I come from, you know, always, again, going back to that fam- familial aspect of things. Um, but unfortunately, you know, in Pennsylvania, it's not so easy <laughs> um, to keep up a culture uh, so far away, but um, it, it's the small things that really do make a big difference. So when you think about what you want people to take away from this, like what you would like people who are either reading the clickbait on coronavirus or maybe having some kind of an implicit bias, like what do you want people to take away from this? I think a big lesson here is is to remember um, not only where you came from, but um, everyone has pride in what they do, and they do it for a reason. Um, so whatever your opinions of it are, remember that um, they have very strong pride in what they do. And, and when you make those comments, just be aware of, of where, you're, where you're coming from and also where they're coming from. Educate yourself, people. Do some research. Don't just look at the Twitter news like I do. No, <laughs> Lindsay's going to start reading a better news source by next week, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Evan. We always. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, I think I think I'm good. <laughs> All right. So we always end our segment by you just shared something you're open about. So what's something you're working on being more open about? Oh no, that one's always a hard one, and I knew this question was coming too. Everyone keeps saying that. Um, we got loyal listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you got fans, um, but. Uh, I would say it's my relationship with my parents, more specifically my mother. Um, again, it's it's hard to keep up a relationship with your parents when you're, you know, hundreds and thousands of miles away. And especially with the passing holiday, um, it's important to just kind of always, you know, text your mom, hi, I love you. <laughs> it's because um, it's not so easy. So, Well, thanks so much for coming, Evan. Well, thank you for having me. Learned a lot. Thank you so much. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Sorry We're Open. Yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. A lot of good stuff today. Apologies for my small weirdness. I was going to say your small little breakdown. In- <laughs> it's fine. It had been a long week. But here I am. Um, but as always, follow us on Instagram at Sorry We're Open Podcast. We got some more exciting stuff coming. And we have some news to share next week. So Wow, you're leaving them. A cliffhanger. Yeah, thank you. I really, I was like, what's the word? In suspense. Oh, yes. So we'll see you next week. Yeah.